You are listening to Radio Aleph, a podcast about fiction and politics hosted by me, Beatrice Ray. Every month, subscribers receive two podcasts and two newsletters. In the first podcast, I interview fiction writers about how their work dialogues with politics. This episode comes with a newsletter that highlights the main points of the interview. In the second podcast, I discuss the relationship with politics in these authors' works with our recurring guest, journalist João Villavirge. This episode comes with a newsletter that has my own thoughts on the books discussed in each month. The newsletters are in English and Portuguese. The podcast can be in English, Portuguese, or Spanish. Go to radioaleph.substack.com to subscribe to our podcasts, which are also available on Spotify, and our newsletters. Radio Aleph is produced by Rafael de Angelis with the institutional support of Spaso Rasgo. This month's second episode features my conversation with João Villaverde about the work of Puerto Rican writer Eduardo Lalo. We talked about the book Simone, Visibility and Invisibility, and the political situation of Puerto Rico. For the first time, our conversation is in English and not in Portuguese. We hope you like it. Hi, João. How are you? Hi, dear. I'm doing fine. And you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I'm very great. excited to talk to you about this book and about Lalo. Uh, I think everybody on my social media knows that I am obsessed with his work. And uh, I read several of his me. books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, that as well. <laughs> I read several of his books after reading Simone. So, yeah. I'm I'm very obsessed, but I wanted to start by telling you a little bit about the story of Simone. Um, Please, and, and then I want to read you a short passage of it that I want to hear your thoughts about. So Simone is really a kind of a notebook book because everything that we're reading are the the narrator's um, entries in his notebook or diary. Mm-hmm. Um, And there is a lot in the beginning about his relationship to someone, which where is the where the book happens, the, the story happens, uh, but mm-hmm. also uh, about how he feels invisible as a writer and someone in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And at some point, and, and he's complaining, like he complains, not complains, but he seems very dissatisfied with his life up to the moment that he starts receiving this anonymous, very intriguing messages from he doesn't know who right since they're anonymous of course uh but they appear in yeah. very weird ways right so they appear like as a note and like he's a professor so as a note in his office or something like written like in a sign at the university so somebody is putting this intriguing messages to for him and that mm-hmm. starts like he it seems like he it's almost it feels like he's awake he's getting awake at that point in the story And and then you're it and I, maybe I like that because there is some element of detective story there too. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about this right now. But like he starts getting mm-hmm. crazy about this, right? Like who is this person? Why is this person sending me messages? Why is this person doing this to me? Now I need to know who she is or, or who he is. Mm-hmm. And and then a lot of stuff happens, and I won't spoil the whole thing. But um, please he, don't. Yeah, he finds out that it's a Chinese immigrant. Uh, her name is Li Xiao. And there are a lot of complications in that relationship. And I'm not going to say what they are, but um, the book progresses to tell the story of their relationship and how it, it evolves or 
how it, it manifests in different ways. And, and there are some, the close, the closing up the, the story, I think is very interesting. And I'm not, not going to tell, uh, not you or our listeners, because I want everybody to read the book. Uh, but that's, that's the, the gist of it. Uh, that's how the book is set up. And mm-hmm. there is a past, like there, I, I took so many notes reading this book because yeah, it's just sometimes I was reading it and it almost felt like he was inside my brain because there are some things that he notes about his relationship with the city, someone that I mm-hmm. felt a lot when I was living in Sao Paulo. So, it, yeah, it was just so crazy because I was like, oh, my God, how like how is it possible that he's writing something that I have felt exactly like that before? So, yeah. Mm. And, and, and uh, yeah, sorry but, to, to, to interrupt you, uh, but it's a quick one. When did you read it? So I read it because um, after I finished my PhD, I needed to take a week off, completely off. Oh, so you just read it? Yeah. So I read it in October because I went, no, right. sorry, September, end of September, because when I booked my ticket to someone, because I, because of the pandemic, uh, I could not, I could not, I cannot travel um, right, right. anywhere that's not the U.S. because I have to go to Brazil to renew my visa and the mm-hmm. pandemic, the borders were closed. Now they're open, thank God. And I'm going home in a week, but um, so yeah. I could only travel within the U.S. And so I decided I wanted to go to Latin America and the closest to Latin America that I could forget was someone and then every time I yeah. travel I read something by a local author like I do some research and I'm like okay who yeah. is who is got the it. author that I can read and then that's how I got to, to him yeah uh, and, and, and it, it, it's, as soon as you started I remember I just remind um, remembered um, your text uh, regarding the last episode so you yeah you did t- uh, tell that yeah yeah so yeah and it's going to someone after reading this book and in someone, I was reading his other book in Tempeti uh, in Spanish, uh, which was mm-hmm. great uh, to help me with my Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like he his relationship with someone is just so strong and it appears everywhere in his work. And yeah, it's, it's just amazing to be in someone having had the experience of uh, reading his his work. So I wanted to read you yeah. this short passage because this is one of the instances that I read it and I was like, oh my God, he was in my brain. Like I have thought about this so many times uh, and I wanted to hear mm. your, your reactions. Um, cool. So it starts with like just things that he is uh, hearing from the street, right? So it starts like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at, give me to, give me, give, oh, sorry. Look at, give me to them big boxes. I'm telling you, her. Here's her papers. Don't you go changing. Our prayers are getting through because the war isn't so bad. You're gumming things up. The wallet's the problem. Wait up. I'm turning. Dali on a pizza con mushrooms. It isn't cheap. It's expensive. I brought him a bunch of biscotti. These are things I hear and ride down on the streets. Behind the words, the enigma remains. But everything's max of plastic, of sun, of double-A batteries from a machine made in China. The only way out is having enough money to go into seclusion or to travel, recover by seeing and hearing other things. That's the only real privilege here. If you're rich enough, you can pretend you don't have anything to do with this. Sweet. So two things, and this is totally, I mean, I just just heard it. First of one, first of all, let me react to, to what you said, because you said, oh, I'm this is kind of a, a detective work by you know the by the character, but I think 
in this regards, it's it's your bias because you love detective <laughs> stories. Yeah. Um, I I just started um, reading Simone because of you, um, and I didn't quite get that. Having said that, the second thing, um, and this is straightforward to what you just um, read to me, it reminds me of um, Benedetti's work, the Uruguayan writer, yes. specifically Atregua. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the translation to English, um, in which is is kind of this diary format, and 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 the character uh, he just you know goes in what I'm reading uh, in signs, what I'm thinking, and he just puts on a diary, and then it becomes the book, the romance, right? Mm-hmm. So it it was the first thing that came to my mind um, as you read it. And I just can, I can go keep on rambling on and on, but I think I would, I would um, stop in here um, mm-hmm. and get back to you regarding the narrative. Is it all the way like that until the very end? There are, I think, two instances in the story that we kind of not, we're not, we're not in the story through his note-taking, but that's mm-hmm. it. Everything else is his note-taking. Yeah, but there are two moments, yeah. I think, two or three, that like I think Lalo himself is telling the story, right? There is some right. like unknown person right there like telling the story right. of yeah, the narrator as like a separate uh from yeah. So there there are instances of that, but most like I would say like. 85% mm-hmm. of the book is just like this. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah so that, that makes the point of Atregua uh, more solid than I thought. So, yeah, I, I, I love those kind of books, even though I'm not specifically talking about Simone just yet, uh, but mm-hmm. I just love those kinds of books, even though one could argue that this, this kind of books are the easier, easier way to, 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 for one to write a book because it's basically kind of, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a full blown recollection of what you're right. seeing and you're just, you know, it's like stream, to... stream of consciousness, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Without having to make too much out of it. Um, but it's not that easy. And I'm not talking as an author because I'm not, um, but I, I don't think because it could be very cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the case for Simone, even though I have to repeat that out loud. I just started uh, to, to read the book, but it could be cliche, right? When yeah. you're, when you're going through like, this is the diaries and this is just December 28th. And now this is January, you know, 4th. It's kind of a cliche, right? Uh, we, how many books did you read uh, so so far um, with those kind of yeah. you know of um, of mechanisms if if we if we can call it like that? But it's it doesn't seem to be the case for Simone. Let, let me just say let me just add a personal um, view to this book, and, okay. and and I'm very you know happy uh, with you that you made me read now. Because when I, I bought Simone in 2016, so five years ago. Okay. But up until this point, and we're recording in early December 2021, it's been more than five years. 
um, I didn't read. It's one of those books in which you know you're going to like it, but there's so many things happening and I became a father, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it's just one of those things. Anyway, why I bought the book, and I think that's something that maybe is, we're going to touch on that in the second part of this conversation. Um, I was having my visiting scholarship um, time at Columbia, mm-hmm. New York, and I understand that Lalo had some time there. Yes, like he did. 20 plus years before me. Um, and by then, late 15, early 2016, Lalo's work and Simone uh, in particular was big, um, especially within people from Colombia. Wow. And at the same time, yeah, me neither, but I was there. So everybody was kind of talking about that, um, especially within the Latin American studies um, at SIPA, the School of International mm-hmm. Public Affairs. Um, and at the same time, we had that musical Hamilton um, that Lee Manuel Miranda, yeah. um, it's great. who is from Puerto Rico. Yeah, yes. And yeah, it was music. sold out forever at the same time. So it was kind of a mini boom of Puerto Puerto Rico, you know, culture and right. symbols and, you know, energy surrounding that era. Um, and, and I bought it because of that. It was so into, you know, everywhere. Um, and I bought it. And it was one of those kinds, one of those books in which I, I could look at it. Um, I bought at Book Culture at uh, 112th Street, just like two, four blocks from Columbia. And, um, and I still have it. And I knew I was, I was going to like it, but I didn't read. You didn't read it. And <laughs> I didn't. And then when you mentioned to me, oh, Joe, I'm going to you know, go there and, and try to talk with him. I, oh my God, I, I still have it somewhere, but still didn't read. And then I, I listened to the episode. And, and this is, um, of course, a, a, an invitation for you if you didn't uh, hear um, the, the last episode from, from this podcast. Please stop now and go read uh, and go listen to it. Um, but then I, I listened and I love it. And then I, I said, I have to, to read. And I just started. I, you know, like that conversation, interviewing him for me was just one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Like it was just so like, because, wow. you, you know, the first time I thought this, I think was when I read uh, The Catcher in the Rye by Salinger that mm-hmm. I like, as I was reading it, I was like, man, I really wish I could just sit and have coffee with this person, right? Who wrote this book. <laughs> and that was like me doing exactly that, right? It was just like... It, and blew my it. mind yeah. yeah like it blew my mind that I was actually talking to somebody that I really love the like I really love the book and I love everything else that he writes but like that I can actually talk to him and then when he started talking about how he thinks that reading is the most intimate experience that we can have I was mm-hmm. just like oh my god this is like you know it, it, it almost felt like I was like, things were sinking in my brain. Like I was like- Kind of a click. Yeah, like understanding myself as a reader as I was listening to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just, yeah. And what a humble guy, huh? A lot, like a lot. And after the conversation, like he told me, like I'm, so I'm teaching fiction and politics in Latin America um, at Hopkins next fall. And he said, um, right. I would love to join your class. And I was like, oh my God, can you, like the students- That would be be amazing. Yeah, exactly. So he's very humble and- 
very approachable. And he also told me that the next time that I go to Puerto Rico, that he's going to take me on like some tours to like to places that he thinks I need to see. So yeah, very humble and and amazing person. Yeah. Where you guys were, I mean, sitting in a a coffee, in a coffee place. place. Yeah. Right. So, and he was kind enough uh, to meet me. I was staying in the touristic neighborhood um, because I had no, like, yeah, you don't know where to stay. Right. Um, yeah. And he drove to me and he was kind enough to come to where I was that I, what I, I really appreciated. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice. Super so it was nice. a and great, you, great conversation. And you can actually, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know all of those, those little details, but uh, you, you can get that uh, from listening to your uh, conversation with him. I mean, what a humble guy. And I mean, he's there to talk with you and answer any single point that you want to yeah. shoot at him right i mean yeah. that's not an yeah. easy thing no. to do no yeah yeah, yeah i don't know so i think i i wanted to ask you this i wrote in my newsletter the, the previous newsletter that came with his episode that like i there were moments in my life that i kind of fell in love with some books do you have that oh yeah all the okay. time okay um All the time. Which books do you think like would would make a list for you? Oh, it's impossible to <laughs> even though it, you you're becoming a little bit of American because um <laughs> and, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> no, 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 and I'm not joking because Americans love those kind of ranks, right? Well, but top so... <laughs> three pop songs from 1984. Like that that's so United States, right? That's so It is. top top 10 books about, you know, the word red. But anyway, just <laughs> No, but I, I was thinking more in the way that I did it cuz like I don't I didn't like to the way I wrote it, it was just like those books, like when I read it and I fell in love with them, they changed my personal mm-hmm. life. I don't even think it's a list, but it was yes, just defining moments in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have the same. I have the same. Um, you, the, an aforementioned one by you, the Salinger book, uh, Catcher in the Rye, was very significant for me. Um, I do think that everybody that reads that book when you're, I don't know, 15 to 17, maybe 18, I read when I was 16. Um, and, you know, I'm a boy. This is kind of a yeah. boy's book. So I read it much it was, later. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me to be kind of, you know, yeah. a boy, yeah, I, it's 16, yeah. Yeah. was so like my my life, um, even though I wasn't that kind <laughs> at all. But you you kind of, you know, want to, to be or you understand all the, those feelings and, you know, being between a rock and a hard place like the um, the character of that book is. Um, But all places that I've been personally or mentally um, in the past three decades, uh, I had, you know, two or three books that were kind of driving me into it. So I had a very sertão, which is a part of uh, a very dry part of the northeast of Brazil for those non-Brazilian listeners. Uh, I had a very sertão moment. Central. Uh, this is <laughs> the Brown Vila Verde politics <laughs> moment in my life, um, in, in which I've been there, and I um, and I have a lot of books that talk to me about uh, Sertão, 
including cliche books such as Vida Secas from Graciliano and non-obvious books. So, so yeah, um, I, I do have them um, in a non American, non-American to me too. Way. Yeah, yes. no, I'm not ranking to me. It was just like, I know. Yeah. Reading the unbearable lightness of being when I was 16 was just, yeah. Like it completely changed who I am uh, at that point, at that time. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that very few books have the power of doing that. At least to me, I like, I can like a book, but to me, the love the yeah. And those are books that I keep coming back. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, and yeah. you have that tension. I, 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 I do. I, I remember. Yeah, yeah, the tendency. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have that tendency to to read to to read again, or you know, to to get back at books. And I, I don't, I don't. I okay. just can't. So, so they are still alive for me, and I tend to do just like you in that in that sense. I'm just like you. I write a lot in everything that I'm reading um everything and sometimes i do take you know from my bookshelf to, to you know take a, a quick look but i don't reread it i okay. i just can't because yeah, kind of you know kind of simone from from lalo i have so many books to read just like you uh simone was one of them for the past five plus years i had the book i knew i eventually gonna read it but I, you know, you never, yeah. Why, yeah, yeah. Why, why go why back to something time? that you already read? Exactly, yeah. that yeah. already read. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I have an attachment problem with some books that I have to <laughs> to go back to them. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk to a little bit about invisibility and the way that Lalo. Oh um, yes. And I have another of his books here. Uh, so this is also in Spanish, and I bought this in someone. It's called. Los Países Invisibles. Um, and here, so I th- there is a lot of philosophy and sociology in Lalo's uh, writing, uh, even though mm-hmm. he's not a philosopher or a sociologist. Um, but I think, any, yeah, any student of those disciplines. Which makes better. Yeah, makes probably, it better. That's, because that's he's what I think. not an academic, so he exactly. doesn't have to make like a thousand quotes just to anchor his work and... <laughs> <laughs> makes it boring exactly and so this is something that he wrote um being in madrid um so he went to madrid mm-hmm. for a period of his life and he tried to make a living there and so it's it's his view right. of how like he felt as a Puerto, like he, he's actually cuban but he doesn't consider himself cuban uh as right. a puerto rican yeah. um author in in madrid and he talks yeah. a lot about this invisibility and visibility issue and to him like the the east west is a big cleavage in that sense but he he says that there are others um Mm -hmm. what do you what do you think of that that was in the newsletter and that was in the podcast i think that was the main theme of the conversation that you had with him um in, in the podcast i loved that moment uh, between you two and in particular when he was mentioning you know his american girlfriend if i'm not yeah um, wrong so yeah he, he's a, a former american uh, girlfriend of his in which she didn't know that reggae comes from jamaica yeah which for us is kind of common sense it's kind of you know jamaica equals reggae which is also, you know, not something good to 
say because Jamaica is a lot more than just reggae. Of course, uh, of course, right? but it's, you're not the. But, it's but worse at least to you know, know that. Yeah, exactly. It's worse, right? Than, you yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. kind of um, Queen Elizabeth. Exactly. It's England. You know that. Um, um, but anyway, so I, I love that part, and I think some of it is is more alive than ever because we had that 1950s through 1970s post-colonial debates mm-hmm. with uh, Edward Said work and you know um, a, a ton of people then joining forces to try to break ties culturally speaking but of course as well politically speaking um, from you know colonies from the um, former, you know, um, colonizers, yeah, yeah, colonizers, yeah, metropolis. Um, And, but this is now more alive than ever, because we're into this, maybe I'm drifting away too far, but we're into this moment in which it's okay to be a populist, left and right. It's okay. Yeah. It's not, um, you know, it's, even though... One might not like it, and of course, we do have millions and millions and millions of people who don't like, and that includes me. But at least it's it's okay for one to be a populist in this world right now. Yeah, twenty twenty one. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. So yeah. you left and right. Um, yeah. I mean, Donald yep. Trump, a right wing guy. And a full-blown populist who could say that out loud, and that's okay. And not be you sanctioned. Had, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or Bernie Sanders uh, from yeah. you know, the other yeah, side the of party. the coin. Yeah. Uh, and that you have in every single country, like Jeremy Corbyn in in um, the left um, of England. Um, you name it. I mean, Vox in Spain. You name it. So we, we're in this moment in which the cultural and what is your country values your country um you know language your country blah 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 um is okay to say that out loud yeah you're not gonna be uh you know uh perceived as as the devil for saying such things but when we go one step ahead it's also okay for underdevelopment uh, countries such as Brazil, uh, Puerto Rico, and, and, and so on and so forth, to say that out loud as well, because it's not, it's not something like from the 1950s to 1970s, and with that I wrap, I wrap up, um, in which, oh, this post-colonial things and post-colonial studies and um, is is basically poor countries who understand they are invisible mm-hmm. and they don't want to be invisible anymore. Now it's also the rich countries with millions of people within the rich countries who understand themselves as invisible. As invisible. Yeah, I'm like and that's a brilliant look at the point. Trump voters. Yeah. Look at that's the Trump a voters for, for them, all the system, including the Republican Party wasn't didn't see them yeah like i'm here i'm in detroit right i'm a blue collar worker and no one is looking at me yeah in my own country so um, i i think this is more than ever 
alive. Yeah. This is a very big theme, I think. And I love that part of the conversation between and, you two. And and I think like this, is, I, I want to write about that in the newsletter that's going to come with this episode that we're recording right now. But um, to me, is mm -hmm. once we find, like once we are aware of this visibility and invisibility thing, right? The question that comes next to me is what do we do with it? Because Lalo's yeah. answer seems to be like, and he says that in the podcast, uh, like, I don't feel obligated to consume culture that comes from Europe. Like, so in a way that's like renouncing to a part of the world because that part of the world has been super exposed. But to me, yeah. personally, that's not satisfactory. Um, not a good answer to me. And I'm still like wrapping my head around this before I write, but because it's like, and your point is brilliant in that way, because even within the rich countries, so even within the European countries, there is the invisibility, visibility thing happening within these societies. Yeah. So I don't think how, I don't know to the extent to which it is productive for us to be, uh, for us to separate, you know, just because of, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm I'm still thinking yeah. about this, but it, it just feels like that, especially in today's world, that that would contribute to more and more polarization. Um, and I don't want to use the word polarization because that's a very political thing, and that's not what we're talking about here necessarily. Yeah. But like the the fact that you have like in societies people going like far and far away, right? Which is what I see in many countries right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, I, and, and, I, and culture speaks for everyone. It speaks for people from, you know, um, from the left who wants to just be preaching to the converted. It speaks to the right and also speaks, speaks for everyone. Uh, getting back to the Puerto Rico uh, theme, it was a real theme when I was living in New York. I mean, That's amazing. late 2015, early 2016, You had people, you know, dressed with um, Puerto Rico, you know, flag uh, in their T-shirt because of Lin Manuel Miranda. Lalo's Simone book was just translated to English, if I'm not mistaken, in yeah. 2016. Yeah, I remember it was super easy to buy it. It was mm -hmm. in you could go into any bookstore and would be in front of it. So it was just released um, back then. Um, And I think he won his major prize yes. just a little bit before that. Uh, but anyway, um, so, it, and also that's when we had the major crash of the Puerto Rico um, economy. Mm. So it was also in the headlines of the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and you had a presidential election, uh, which uh, ended <laughs> yes. up pretty bad yes. for the US and the world uh, in that same year. But you had, you know, major candidates in the Democrats and in the Republican side being asked about Puerto Rico. Yeah. About Puerto Rico. So yeah. it was kind of a, a moment. But let me just uh, channel a final thought. Um, yeah. And then what? And yeah. then yep. after Hamilton, the musical was over, after Lalo became kind of establishment i don't want to say establishment yeah, just I don't, to, yeah. Just, but he was you know just yeah he was he was the new guy he entered the circle right of exactly oh, yeah yeah i understand exactly so he's not new anymore he's just yeah. someone that people perceived 
as, as a brilliant author. But back in 1516, he's kind of this new brilliant mind. Right. You, you can only be new once, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, but anyway, so after that, Puerto Rico still is a poor country. Yeah. Puerto Rico still is in an economic mess and completely downplayed by every single human being in the United States. So yes. nothing changed. Nothing changed. But the, but the theme was over. So yeah. it's... yeah. You know, it, it, they got back to being invisible after, um, I don't know, uh, after a hot summer in, yeah, yeah. in 16. I, I completely agree with that. And um, yeah, and I just want to remind our listeners that uh, Puerto Rico is an unincorporated territory of the U.S., which means yeah. that Puerto Rico is not a state. Puerto Rico cannot participate in presidential elections. It does not send representatives to Congress. So it really is in a political limbo. And I wanted to bring it one is. discussion that, um, so there is this Puerto Rican uh, writer that um, writes about food, actually. And she lives mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico, uh, Alicia Kennedy. She has an awesome um, newsletter and podcast, too. And she wrote a piece with her fiance nice. for the New York Times just talking about how the U.S., uh, doesn't want to encourage agriculture growth of in Puerto Rico because what Puerto mm. Rico consumes right now comes from U.S. farmers. Mm. So despite all the, like the, the Puerto Rico is a country of forests, right? Like it's a tropical, like it could have a major agricultural production, production even for like, not, mm -hmm. not to export, like for, to sustain itself, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But it doesn't. Mm -hmm. All the food that it gets, it gets from the U.S. Uh, and she and she cites that in in 1940, agriculture uh, was uh, the cornerstone of Puerto Rico's economy. It was 40 percent of the workforce. By 2019, it it represented less than one percent of the GDP. So you see how and they wow. they track this to two U.S. policies. It's called one of wow. it's called the Jones Act, and the other one is the Operation Bootstrap. But so it's more wow. than than. Being in a political and it's not limbo. because, and it's not because Puerto Rico became an industrialized country, and now all no. the jobs are in. <laughs> there's right? just like there's just nothing yeah. there. And I remember when yeah. I was reading her piece, I remember that Anthony Bourdain did an episode in in Puerto Rico, and he was like at the end of the episode, he sits with some Puerto Ricans, and and they are like, oh, everybody wants to go to the U.S., and he says why, and the person's like, there's nothing here. There's just nothing here. There's no agriculture. There's no industry. There are no jobs. There's nothing. Shame. What a shame. No, and, and you know, I mean, that's... And this is a part horrible. of the United yeah, States, horrible. right? And then... and Yeah. It's a commonwealth. Um, exactly. And, and it's so sad because even though there's nothing according to, you know, Puerto Ricans, Ricans themselves that you just brought. So that's not me saying, um, who am I to say such thing? But even, even with all of that, um, the country, even though it's not a country, yeah. it's, it's limbo, In the limbo Rico, yeah. yeah, broke. Yeah. Broke. I mean, they, they, they went into a, um, uh, by the way, in 2016 as well, um, they didn't have resources enough to roll out their enormous debt. And they couldn't use, and here's, I think, the most typical colonial story, 
regarding uh, you know Puerto Rico and the U.S. They couldn't use the um, the, the the United States law that allows for municipalities and even states to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, like Detroit in yes. Illinois did. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think is it's in Illinois. No, it's Michigan. Sorry. Yeah, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, they did just months before Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico was in exactly the same situation, but they couldn't because, and I remember, I, I, I might miss the dates, but it was in the Ronald Reagan administration. So in early 1980s, maybe 82, 83, 84, they had this you know, debate in the US Congress in Washington regarding the bankruptcy law. And they literally debated about Puerto Rico and all of them, both tiles, yeah. said, no, 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 no. They cannot be included because they are not the U.S. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's, and that's why if you talk to any Puerto Rican, they're going to say that they're second class citizens, right? Yeah. That's how they and feel. They're, yeah. They're right to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, as you said, the, the, the word is, is a limbo. Yeah. What are you? The and, U.S. says you're not from the U.S.? <laughs> You're not your own country as well. But at the same time, yeah. you're not. A, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, it must be hard. Like to me as a citizen, right? Uh, I've been out of Brazil for 10 years now, but well, it is very comforting to know at the end of the day that I have a country, right? Even though our yeah. country is very messed up right now. It is comforting to it know. It is being destroyed. It is being destroyed, but we still have yeah. a country, right? And it must yeah. be very hard for you to exist. Without that sense. And I, I, yeah. So I don't know if you've read uh, Benedict Anderson's Imagine Communities. I didn't. Okay. So this is a book that talks about how nationalism and an idea of a nation is pure fiction, right? It's, it's a beautiful book. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. it's, I, I, that's another book that I keep coming back to because I think it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but this is not fiction. Uh, but he develops this idea that a fiction, that, that having a nationality, the idea of a nation state, right, of having nation with the state, it's a fiction. Mm -hmm. We create this idea that we're all Brazilians. Yeah. And, and yeah. Puerto Ricans don't have that. But this fiction to me is very reassuring um, that at the end of the day, if everything in my life is like kaboom, I have my country to go back to. And it's an actual country where I have rights. And, and that's not the case mm -hmm. for Puerto Ricans. Yeah, and this is so sad because you don't. I mean, because in Brazil you have so many things that it's a self-fulfill your idea of a Brazilian. So we have yeah. a national soccer league in yeah. which you know soccer teams from the north, you know, have matches against soccer teams from the south. So it seems like it's the same country. You have you Music. know the World Cup music and yeah. so you have everything that tells you that we are one single thing but in puerto rico you have to you know knock on washington's door to ask can we you know set up a team can we yeah. do that can we so weird it is so weird it is and it's it, and at it, the same time it gets confused probably and i remember watching some sketches from saturday night live um um again go into pop culture of the u.s but anyway um in which they kind of oh puerto rico cuba cuba and it's kind of like the same thing all the for same. us yeah 
yeah. the same thing. Um, and yeah. that's, that's sad. It, it is sad. And, and I think in the U.S., like, people only think about Latin America and more specifically about the Caribbean and Central America when they talk about illegal immigration. Yeah, and, and violence. Yeah. And violence, yeah. right? Or yeah. the hurricane. It's always portrayed. Yeah, well, the hurricanes hurricane. in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And you have the image yeah. of Trump, Trump throwing like toilet paper at people, right? Like that's yeah. like that's when it rises to the agenda. Um, other than that, like, yeah, it's that's yeah, and, and gangs in US and as, television. Yeah, and exactly. Cinema. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, and that speaks to the idea of invisibility, I think, that Lalo talks about. It's just like perception of something that not is not what it either the no not the the absence of a perception or the perception of something that is not right like the idea that presents speaks penage he says that to you exactly. yeah i exactly. mean i heard i've heard that a thousand times like Me too. In the, yeah like in the last 10 years here or that buenos aires is our capital and i'm like yeah. just no <laughs> no yeah exactly it, that's why we feel their pain in that regards yeah in which is Kind of Brazil, Colombia, they're all the all same the things. Same. It's just, yeah. just yeah. you know, gangs, cocaine, coffee, and yeah. you know, and, and and you know, sex. That's basically exactly. how people carnival. perceive. Yeah, yeah. And carnival. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me shoot um, um, a question to you. So you're in Puerto Rico. You're there, waking up there, uh, going to sleep there. What do you do? What one? do that um if you want to go and um and know the country kind of a vacation um so i stayed in so one but i did go to the so i did many things i did go to the yunke national forest and i did a hike that was wonderful um that's nice and then i realized that i need to learn how to um to do bouldering you know it's color because i couldn't yeah right. that was hard on the rocks for me and then i took a class and i should probably go back um after mm. I, I went to the trip i did a lot of stuff in someone old someone is beautiful it's beautiful i loved it mm. i loved it it's amazing um it reminds me so much of Latin, like it is a latin american country right like mm -hmm. despite the fact that it is part of the u.s puerto rico is a latin american country it's very latin american i felt at home i felt home i was home yeah. right yeah. um yeah so i did museums i did a lot of walking through someone Uh, they have great restaurants too um, that I really, really enjoyed. I actually went to see Simone. So there is a movie adaptation of Simone that was when yeah. I was there and I went to the theaters yeah. to watch it. I did not like it. <laughs> it was it was terrible. I I didn't. Yeah, I think I mentioned this to Lalo. Ninety nine. You did. You did. Uh, and ninety nine percent of the of movies based on novels are. You know, but this was so suck. bad because all. First of all, the movie is set in someone, but it's in English. The all the 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 actors mm. are speaking English, so the whole thing just feels yeah, yeah. Feels um, weird. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel good about that. Uh, what else did I do? I was supposed to do uh, a snorkeling. I was supposed to do snorkeling, but oh. the the I, I went there during hurricane season, so the waters were just very bad. So I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. So I I actually recommend that people don't go during hurricane season. 
Um, right. Yeah, and also better the, to stay alive. Yeah, and the okay, rains are pretty bad uh, when I was there. Uh, so yeah, avoid right. hurricane season. Go in other parts because it's always it's always warm, right? So it's like our our country. It's always warm. Yeah, I know. And um, one thing for everyone that is listening, this what you said right in the beginning. Um, that's something so nice for one to do, even within your own country. Um, when you're traveling for whatever reason, work or, or you know, vacation, try to read, you know, something regional, yeah, yeah, yeah. regional stuff, things from there. Um, even if it's not modern, which is not the case of Lalo because he's, you know, he's, he's modern, alive yeah. and well, um, even if it's kind of a 19th century Puerto Rican author, it would make the same Right, that that's so good because you're living and breathing and feeling the environment, and you're also dreaming about it when you're yeah. when you're reading people I, from there. I did that uh, when I went to Buenos Aires. Um, before I went to Buenos Aires, a friend of mine gave me the Tango Singer um, by mm-hmm. Tomás Eloy. Yeah, that changed yeah. my ex- like to me traveling after traveling to a place after having read a book that is said and written by someone from that place completely changes my traveling experience for the better right yeah yeah totally you feel the territory because it could be a state within the u.s it could be a state within brazil could be it doesn't need to be a country uh, as a whole but it, you get to feel it, yeah. right? It intensifies your experience. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Joan, thank you for the conversation. Uh, I no, actually received very good feedback from our last one. So I hope people enjoyed this one too. No, I thought it was sweet to hear. I loved the conversation. And in the end, because I, I tend to listen to podcasts while driving um, yeah. after becoming a father, I... I have to drive more. I hate driving. I hate cars and really? I hate traffic. I love driving. <laughs> I hate to death. Uh, <laughs> I really do. That's, the, I mean, top three, you know, getting back to rankings, uh, top three <laughs> things that I hate in, in human condition is driving. But as a father, you have to drive a lot uh, for many reasons. Um, and I have the opportunity to have, you know, financially speaking. Uh, but anyway, so I... I, so I, I listen and I'm not looking if it's, you know, still have 10 minutes remaining or I, I just listen. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when you were ending the episode, I was kind of, but it just started. It just started. <laughs> and that was an hour or so. <laughs> it's kind of, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's also, it's always a very good feeling when you, when you do that, you know, I, for me, it was just kind of, this is just beginning and it's already over. Well, maybe so I'll, nice I'll, to hear. I'll go to someone again next year and do a round two with Lalu. No, you should. Yeah, it, you should. Okay, I'll see you next month then, or after yeah. vacation. We'll see. Well, we might have t- to take a month vacation, but I'll I'll let everybody know if we do. Okay, that's as always your call. I'm here. Thanks, Bia. Bye, Jovan. Bye, bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletters on Substack by going to radioalive.substack.com. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. This project has the support of Spaso Hasgo, a Brazilian institution that promotes arts and knowledge. <laughs>